That is the sound of the Medics Money Clinic bleep going off, which means that today we are doing another episode of the Medics Money Clinic. This is where we take a Medics Money podcast listener who's uh, written into us and we take their scenario and we go through it with one of the experts from the Medics Money financial team. Just like the real clinics that we all know and love, we often run late. The tea is at best lukewarm and there's never any pens around. But today's clinic is going to be of interest to anybody who's ever wondered about using a limited company to save tax, whether you can invest money using a limited company, and also anybody who's thinking that they might not want to work all the way till the end and retire early. So I think there's something for everybody in this episode. And if you want to come on the clinic, all you have to do is bleep us. That's right. So just contact us via the website with as much detail as you're happy for us to use. It can be anonymous or we can use your real name if you wish. And we will have a look at your scenario and uh, get one of our experts to take you through your scenario in the Medics Money Clinic. Once again, me and Ed are so grateful for everyone that's sharing this and finding it useful and giving us feedback. Uh, we could not do this without you, and we're so glad that everyone's finding it useful. We're coming up to 10,000 listeners now, and by the time this episode goes out, that will be out of date. And that is purely because people like you have found it useful and shared it with their friends. So uh, if everybody who's listening to this episode just shares it with one other friend, we'll continue to grow and we can help more and more doctors to make better financial decisions. Right, let's get straight into today's episode. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's Medics Money podcast, we are back in the Medics Money Financial Clinic. This is where we take one of the Medics Money podcast listeners' financial scenario and consult with one of the Medics Money financial experts. And for today's clinic, I'm delighted to be joined by Guy Roper. Morning, Guy. Good morning, Tommy. Thanks for having me on again. Well, you're back after last uh, episode. Uh, you, you had your clinic there where I actually sneaked in an extra patient at the end and <laughs> didn't put you off. I'm, I'm back. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> Good. Uh, so for those of you that haven't listened to your previous episodes, definitely well worth uh, dropping back into those. But uh, do you want to just introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about uh, your credentials, why you're qualified to run this clinic this morning? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So uh, my name is Guy Roper. I'm the owner of Sunrise IFA. Uh, I'm a chartered financial planner um, and a fellow of the Personal Finance Society. Um, and I've been working with Medics Money uh, for a long time now, since the very early days of Medics Money. Um, and I work almost exclusively with doctors. Um, so I have a really good understanding of the various uh, aspects of doctors' career paths and, and such like. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you've got for me today. Yeah, I've got a nice little scenario for you today. But I think it's always worth, um, you know, doctors have confusing postnomials after their names, which confuse the general public. And financial yeah. advisors have confusing postnomials, which may or may not confuse the general public. So you said that you are a chartered financial planner and a fellow of the Personal Finance Society. Yes. Um, tell so me I more explain. about that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so chartered financial planner is the uh, the highest level of qualification that uh, an advisor can achieve. It effectively means that I've done all the exams and passed all the tests and, and hopefully know what I'm talking about. 
Um, hopefully I shall demonstrate that over the next 20 minutes or so. Um, and then Fellow of the Personal Finance Society is just yeah, that and then a little bit more. So it, it means that not only did I get become chartered, but I decided that I would do even more exams on top of that just to get the FPFS designation. Um, so yes, but I've stopped now, at least for the time being. <laughs> Good. Okay. Um, and you also mentioned that like all financial advisors that are on my next money, you're an independent financial advisor. Shall we say a quick word about that? And then we'll get into today's scenario because that's very Yeah, we relevant. should do. We should do, shouldn't we? Um, yeah, because there are lots of financial advisors out there. Um, and uh, the best ones are independent. Uh, that's why Medics Money only works with independent advisors. Independent advice means that I can recommend whatever my clients need. So I have no ties to any particular products or solutions or service providers. Um, I can recommend whatever's in my client's interests. Um, and that's uh, different from advisors who are restricted. Uh, as the name suggests, they can only recommend from a limited range of options or a limited um, area of, of needs. Um, so clearly, independent advice is more comprehensive. Uh, it's better. Yeah. And uh, the uh, restricted advisors don't tend to advertise the fact that they're restricted very well. Uh, so make of that what you will. Right. Let's get into today's scenario. So hope you've got your uh, your notes out, uh, pen and paper ready, because uh, we are going to be uh, helping Mr. Ahmed this morning. So uh, Mr. Ahmed uh, is, a, is a Medics Money podcast listener. He contacted us. Uh, and Mr. Ahmed works as a surgeon in the Midlands. He says, Thanks for all the great information on Medics Money. It's really useful to have everything I need in all in one place. Thanks, Mr. Ahmed. Cheers. That's why we do it. Uh, since I started my career, I've been trying to make most of my money, uh, trying to make the most of my money, and I think I'm doing okay. I've been gradually building up personal investments for me and my wife, and I also set up a limited company a few years ago on the advice of my accountant for my private income. The limited company has cash sat in it. Can I invest this too? Uh, my accountant can't offer me any advice on this. Uh, Mr. Ahmed is 46 years old. He has an NHS income of around £100,000 a year. He has a private income, which is usually around £75,000 a year. But as I'm sure a lot of your doctor clients have experienced recently, that private income has been significantly less this year due to the coronavirus. Um, Mr. Ahmed's wife is a non-medic who works part-time. And Mr. Ahmed also has, um, and Mrs. Ahmed, have two children. And they want to be able to retire before 67. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, another medic who doesn't want to work to state pension age. My goodness. Um, yeah, if I, had a, if I had a pound for every person that had told me that, then, um, then I'd have a few hundred quid, uh, which actually isn't that much when you think about it. Maybe that cliche needs to be updated for inflation. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> certainly not unusual, that one. Yeah. Um, and an interesting query as well, something that I've come across in, uh, in the field uh, quite a, a bit in the last few years. Um, uh, yeah, so I think that the short answer to Mr. Ahmed's question is yes, he can invest that. Um, that wouldn't make for a very interesting podcast, though. So let's expand on that a little bit. Um, I think perhaps it's worth telling the listeners why Mr. Ahmed's accountant might have uh, recommended that he set up a limited company. Um, and then we'll talk a bit about the, the approach that I would take to advice. Um, I suppose I should also say that uh, the information that I'm about to give is just information. It isn't advice. Um, and so everyone must understand that uh, this, this is, isn't advice for them. And if they want to receive advice on their own situation, then they should contact uh, a medical specialist financial advisor, which they can do via Medics Money. Um, so, yeah, this is just general information. OK. So, um, Mr. Ahmed uh, set up a private company for his, as a limited company for his private work. Um, this will be a pension-related thing. So, uh, over the course of the last few years, NHS pensions, of course, 
caused lots of high-earning doctors to have issues with allowances, the annual allowance, the lifetime allowance. Um, and the way to protect against that for some doctors was to make sure that some of their income wasn't counted for the overall calculation when it came to working out um, tapering of the annual allowance, reduction in, in allowance and, and potential um, tax. Uh, so what many accountants suggested is that for those doctors uh, and medics and surgeons like Mr. Ahmed that have private income, it made sense to set up a separate limited company to receive that private income. Um, and what that means, therefore, is that the, the private work that Mr. Ahmed does goes into his limited company. It isn't taxed on him that year. It doesn't affect his pension position. It doesn't cause him to have to pay out much more in pension related tax. So I understand completely why that might have might have arisen. Um, it does, though, it's interesting, creates, it creates a different problem in that Mr. Ahmed has a limited company. He's working hard, he's earning money, and it's all sitting, all that money is sitting in his limited company. And often you know, that, that creates a different issue because the question then becomes, how does he access it? When does he access it? Um, and how does he manage to access it in a tax efficient way as possible? And what does he do with it in the meantime? Um, so, yeah, but that's that's why he might have arrived in the situation that he's in. Now. Before we get on to investing the money within his limited company, I should say that it doesn't matter what stage of career a medic is at, uh, whether they're just starting out or whether they're um, advanced in their career, as Mr. Ahmed is, um, everyone will have the a, a similar, well, the, the same approach to start off with. Um, so he's told me a bit about himself. He's told me about his income. Um, I would still want to understand Mr. Ahmed's expenditure. Income and expenditure is crucial. It's the foundation of every financial planning discussion. Um, so, you know, he, he earns a lot of money. Does he spend a lot of money? Does he have a big house? Does he have a big mortgage? Does he have, you know, he has two children. Do they go to private school? Does he have school fees to pay for? Um, what is it that he's spending his money on? Um, and, and that will be very important when you think about his overall position. It will also be important when you think about his private work. So he's working hard. He's, he's in a normal year. He's doing lots of private work. He's making lots of private money. Um, does he need to access that each and every year? Does it need to support his lifestyle now or, or is it for the future? His, his question is, can he invest it? So that presumably means that some of it isn't important straight away, but it'll be important to understand how much of it is, how much of it isn't, et cetera. So there's a lot to think about there. Um, I think also it would make sense to consider his pension situation now. Um, the advice that his accountant gave him uh, some time ago was to set up a limited company, but pension rules have changed this year. Um, so it's a really good idea to update on that as well. Um, is it still right to make sure make sure that his private work is going to the limited company? Um, given that pension rules have changed, might he be able to make some of it um, do it without outside the private company, outside the limited company now? Um, so you won't, I wouldn't want to make any assumptions about that. Um, and also, this is something that comes up in, in almost every conversation with uh, with medics. So Mr. Ahmed is earning a lot of money. Um, his wife, he says, is a non-medic um, who works part-time, I think. That's right, so, yeah. Yeah, so um, so in that situation then, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of term, but I, I'm guessing that Mr. Ahmed probably earns more than his wife, um, possibly quite a lot more. It might be that her, her earnings are fairly modest. So that means, therefore, that Mr. Ahmed's income is crucial to his family, crucial to his wife and kids and everything they want to do. Um, so a foundation for him, just as for everyone else, is does he have suitable protection in place for his income? If he can't work for whatever reason, is, is his income secure? Um, so, you know, that's that's something that um, has come up in previous podcasts with more junior doctors. But actually, it's just as relevant to him, I would say. Um, 
yeah. perhaps even more relevant because um you know unless his wife's got a part-time job which pulls in more than 175 grand a year then i think your <laughs> assumption that um his wife earns less is correct so they're very dependent on his income and in that mm. situation you know uh, insurances are, are vital really good to hear you just talking about the basics of income and expenditure because yeah mm. mr ahmed's getting 175 grand a year but if he's if he's spending 195 grand a year then he's not going to be in a great spot so um that's great and um I guess we're assuming when he says the limited company has cash sat in it that he is just um, not taking any dividends or any money out of the company currently. So he's just got 75 grand a year going straight into the company. Is that what we're assuming? Uh, maybe. Um, so, or it could be that he's taking some more modest level of income and so building up some of the cash in the limited company. Um, I mean, when you set up a limited company, a good accountant will. Uh, make suggestions as to how you can access that money tax efficiently. And sometimes that can mean um, having one spouse as a co-director, as a co-shareholder. So actually it could be that Mr. Ahmed's wife is a co-director and receives some of the money from the limited company in the form of dividends. Or in, in some cases, she might even have some sort of work within the company from, from which she takes the salary. Um, so yeah, I think it would be a too, too big an assumption to say that all the money is building up there. But I'd uh -huh. certainly want to ask a lot more, lot more questions about that. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, so the, the basics still need to be met. We still need to think about income expenditure. We still need to think about whether he's suitably um, protected for his, his current situation, but let's assume that he is. Um, he then also talks about how he's been making the most of his money, building up investments for, um, for him and his wife, and that's, that's something we might come back to. But let, let's focus on his specific question. Um, can he invest the money within his limited company? Well, it is possible, but let's talk about some of the implications of that because it's very different to making investments for an individual. Um, as you make in, if you make in investments for an individual, then individuals have various tax allowances. They have a, um, an ISA allowance that they can make use of. They have a capital gains tax allowance that they can make use of. Um, and so that means that investments for an individual um, are uh, different to investing for a company. Um, companies have different and fewer tax allowances. The companies can't invest in ISAs. Um, companies don't have the same capital gains tax allowances and such like. Um, so when you make investments for a company, you need to make them with a lot of care and they need to be different. They, they might, let's, let's rephrase that slightly, they might need to be different um, than the investments that you make for an individual. Now it's perfectly possible to build a tax efficient investment process for a company. Um, but it needs to be done. How can I put this? It needs to be done by someone who knows what they're talking about, really. So um, this this is an example of where having a, a higher level of qualification and really knowing what you're talking about actually comes into its own. Um, there, there are many advisors who will be perfectly good at setting up ISAs and you know investments for individuals, but but company investment is a step ahead. Um, and so yeah, this is where uh, expertise comes into its own. Big players only, basically, you know, consultant level stuff here. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do something like this, which is, is it's not an inconsequential amount of money, um, yeah. and uh, it's a complicated thing, so I imagine you probably want to work with someone who knows what they're doing. Definitely, yeah. Um, and, you know, you're not an accountant, but uh, we uh, see a lot of junior doctors who set up limited companies to save tax and uh, mm -hmm. that hasn't been done by a, a specialist medical accountant and actually if you crunch numbers uh, at their level it's not that great a saving but uh, yeah. no doubt mr ahmed's been through that so that's cool okay um, that's uh, so um are we going to talk a bit more about how to uh, how you would invest uh, because you know his question his question is can he invest that cash uh, in and that sat in the limited company and i think the answer to that is yes 
so so he can um and we need to think about how much should be invested which means understanding what what other money the company needs um to to meet its other responsibilities liabilities and such like uh, your point about accountants is a really good one tommy so let me come back to that for a second though because um I would imagine from what uh, Mr. Ahmed said in his question that his accountant has a decent understanding of medical things. They may be a medical specialist accountant, hopefully they are, um, but I would look to speak to their accountant as part of this process. Um, for, for professional courtesy as, as much as anything, I'd want to make sure that the accountant who recommended setting up the limited company was comfortable with the idea of uh, investing some of the money and we might need to talk about some other aspects of this as well so um, I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail um, in this format but it's probably something where the accountant will need to be involved as part of the process um, to uh, confirm that they're happy with it and probably to be involved in implementing some of it as well um, so working with a really good accountant is important this is a situation where um, where professionals very much work together on this sort of thing um, so yes, it, it, but it is possible to invest some of the money um, and the approach that I would take would be to understand uh, what the money is for, when the money is for, um, so you know, at what point does Mr. Ahmed plan to access it? He's mid-40s, I think you said, 46 at the moment. Yeah. 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 Um, so he's 46 at the moment, so he might have another 10, 15 years before he wants to retire, so it might be for then, or he might need it more soon than that, um, and that would give a, a that would make, affect my advice on investments as well. Um, I'd explore his views on risk. I'd explore his views on investing ethically, whether he wants to invest um, in a particular way within the company, because that's just as relevant to company investments as it is to his own. Um, and then, yeah, then we could put together uh, a selection of investments, trying to be as tax efficient as possible within the company environment and take it forward from there. Yeah. Uh, and all of the sort of um, asking him how long he wants to invest for, because that would build, affect the sort of portfolio that you would build for him. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Um, so you know, someone who has a long period of investment can can sometimes uh, accept more risk within a portfolio than someone who needs the money sooner. Um, and, uh, and yeah, understanding when the money is for, but, but also how much he's going to need. So for example, is he going to look to take an income from this investment? Um, does that mean therefore that the investment should itself provide an income to the limited company that he can then draw? Um, so many questions um, that I'd want to, to ask him before um, before making a firm decision. Yeah, so we're just uh, sort of skimming the details in this to give you an idea of the kind of issues that Mr. Ahmed and his wife need to think about. Um, I guess uh, we mentioned uh, the familiar thing now that Mr. Ahmed wants to be able to retire before he's 67. Uh, should yeah. we talk a bit about that? Well, we can touch on it um, because the money within his limited company could well be a way of facilitating that. Um, if if much of his £75,000 uh, a year income isn't needed, um, if he can build that up within his limited company and if he can invest it, um, then it could be a way of providing him with an income in early retirement that means that he can access that money before he draws his NHS pension. Um, so a bit of an assumption now, but I would make the assumption from Mr. Ahmed's age um, and his seniority that he's probably got membership in the 95 section of the pension scheme with a retirement age of 60, with a pension and lump sum available at 60. And then he's probably building up more service in the 2015 section uh, with a retirement age linked to state pension age. I guess that's why he asked the question about state pension age. So like many doctors, he's of a profile of having some income at 60, more income at 67. Um, and the sum income at 60 probably isn't enough for him to retire on. It's certainly a lot, there, lot less that he's earning at the moment. So can the money in his limited company bridge the gap 
um, can it provide income for him from age 60 to age 67? Um, that's something that I, I see quite a lot. Yeah, I was hoping to go at least one episode without mentioning the NHS pension. Uh, it, it, it's like <laughs> a challenge. Yeah, it's like a challenge that me and Ed are trying to do. And uh, I think every time we failed now. But um, I think there's something really fundamental that a lot of people don't or may not realize about the pension. So you said that the normal retirement age in the 1995 scheme, which Mr. Ahmed maybe have some years in that, is 60. Uh, but the 2015 scheme, which everybody got pushed into, um, is linked to state retirement age and can you just quickly explain why that is absolutely fundamental and how investing um using the strategy that you've outlined could help mr ahmed's ambition to retire early because i think not a lot of doctors have uh, realized that uh, they're retiring at state retirement age so uh, when i started medicine my retirement age was 65 uh, and already it's up to 68 um you know it's just getting further into the distance for me uh, so yeah. i think it'd be good to clarify that little point yeah, so um, if, if Mr. Ahmed does have some uh, membership in the 95 section, that he's got he's got some pension available to him that he can draw at age 60, um, but he will only have a few years worth of service. So he won't have a full pension by any means. Um, and certainly he's earning a lot of the money at the moment. You know, uh, his, his NHS income is 100,000. I'd be surprised if his 95 section pension income is, is much different to 20,000, say. Um, so if at the point that he reaches age 60, he wants to retire completely, well, his 95 section pension will only give him, for example, 20,000 pounds a year. And that's unlikely for someone uh, of his uh, standard of living to be able to retire on, I would say. Um, now, of course, it is possible to draw all of your pension at that point, but his other service um, in the 2015 section, that's got a retirement age of 67. If you draw it at 60, you can do that, but you pay a great big penalty for doing so. Uh, it's roughly 5% uh, penalty for each year that you draw it early. So it's a roughly 35% penalty for drawing it early at that point. Um, and that's a big punitive um, uh, position to find yourself in. Uh, so the uh, alternative action is to find some other way of bridging the gap. So draw your 95 section at, si at 60, draw your 2015 section at 67, unreduced, no penalty. Um, and bridge the gap in your earnings, uh, the, the gap in your income rather, uh, between 60 and 67 in a different way. Um, and yeah, this is something that I think will become more and more of a thing um, as more and more people of Mr. Ahmed's generation reach that stage in time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like That's a great explanation of the issue about that retirement uh, mm. uh, age. And um, I guess Mr. Ahmed is uh, head of the game here, really, because, well, he's using Medic's money, which is a great place to start. But mm -hmm. he's only 46, so he's got time to build up the investments and make these key decisions so that he, you know, when he gets to 60 and he decides he's had enough and wants to retire, he, he most likely will have the financial reserves to do that. If you mm. get to 59 and you haven't done any planning whatsoever, and decide you want to retire at 60, you're probably uh, going to be a bit disappointed, I would have said. Yeah, I agree. I think he's um, he's certainly got, uh, on the face of it, he's certainly got the means to do some really good planning um, so that he can do what he wants. Um, so the conversation with him would be about working out what he and his wife want to do and then building the best way of getting there. Awesome. Okay. Well, hopefully that was really helpful to Mr. Ahmed. And like I said, he is already ahead of the curve here because he's using Medic's money and he's thinking about really, really important issues and planning ahead. Is there anything else that you think uh, we should cover for Mr. Ahmed today? Um, yeah. So I think um, he, he also mentioned that he has some existing investments that he's building up for him and his wife. Um, and I'd want to talk about those as well. Um, from the perspective of making sure that they best... Uh, 
work towards his objectives. Um, so sometimes I meet uh, doctors and surgeons who have taken previous advice on that. Um, and sometimes the advice is good and sometimes uh, I can suggest ways in which it can be improved upon. So that would be worth a discussion. Uh, sometimes I meet doctors and surgeons who have um, built their own investment portfolio. Um, and that is something that can be quite variable, shall we say. Um, I mean, the way I describe it is if, if you give me a stethoscope, I don't become a doctor. If you give a doctor a trading account, they don't become a financial advisor. So I, I know that my clients are intelligent people. That's why I like working with them. But I can often offer a better investment methodology than they might come up with themselves. Um, so I think having a good conversation about existing investments, objectives, approach, etc., might also be worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I'd be more than happy for Mr. Ahmed to perform surgery on me, um, but I probably wouldn't let him manage uh, my investments. And I definitely would not let you perform surgery on me, but I'd be more than... I'd be more than happy for you to manage my investments. So uh, I think, you know, just get the right advice and, and it'll all be good. Uh, okay, that's great. Well, hopefully that was useful to Mr. Ahmed and his, and his wife. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening to the podcast who maybe have similarities with that situation. So um, yeah, thanks so much for your time in the Medics Money Clinic today, Guy. And um, I hope the rest of your financial clinic today uh, runs to time. And without us recording you and interjecting you, hopefully you will run on time for the rest of your clinic. My pleasure. Toby, thank you very much as always. Um, I should just say, if you want to contact Guy, um, the contact details are listed uh, in the show notes below and it's free to contact Guy via Medics Money and he can uh, take you in much more detail. This is just an overview of a scenario uh, and there's a, quite a lot that we, we didn't have time to cover. Uh, so there's a lot to this. So uh, yeah, if you want to contact Guy, his contact details are down below. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And if you found this useful, definitely leave us a review. And if you want to come on the Medics Money Podcast Clinic, then either drop us a review in iTunes to contact us or uh, contact us via the website and you can come on and we can go through your scenario with one of our experts. Thanks so much for your time today, Guy. And uh, stay safe. It's lockdown 2.0 right now. Um, so hopefully stay safe and thanks for your time.